We are in a series on Jesus. Um, you know, if he's the savior of the world, if he's the one that we worship, we should know something, something about him. So we're in an in-depth study on the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. And uh, we're in week seven of um, Who is Jesus? And today we're going to be looking at Jesus' motivation. You know, what was Jesus' motives? And uh, um, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the word of God that is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, that it separates the soul and the spirit, that it renews our mind to who you are and who we are in you, that we find our true identity in you and we find our true purpose And we just love you, and we thank you, and we receive the word in faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at Jesus' motive. And then, well, come on now. Oh, it worked back there. And in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Therefore Jesus answered, and... Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him the things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him even greater works than these so that you will marvel. Something that's interesting about Jesus' statement there is I was reading, just reading that, it came to mind that Jesus says that I no long, longer call you um, servants. Because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. I now call you friends. So you are a friend of God, and God is, re- just like he was re- revealing to Jesus, God is constantly revealing what he's doing to you. But some of us are like the husband that nods his head when his wife is talking. And they act like they're listening, but they're not. (laughs) Are we hearing what God is saying today? Because he is constantly speaking. And hearing the voice of God is a whole different, another message. But God is speaking. It's not God that's failing to speak to us. It's us failing to listen. So where did Jesus' ministry come from? Where did Jesus' ministry come from? Have you, according to what we just read, it, it came directly from the Father. Jesus' ministry came directly from the Father. So everything that Jesus did was a manifestation of the Father's heart. Jesus' ministry was the fruit of his relationship with the Father. Right? He didn't do anything. Nothing manifested in Jesus' ministry that he first didn't see from the Father. So this fruit that manifested in Jesus' life was a fruit from the Father. It was the outflow. Jesus' ministry, Jesus' life was the outflow of his relationship with God. His relationship with the Father. So do you think that it's any different for a a Christian. 
Do you think it's any different for us? Our effectiveness, effectiveness to be a blessing in the spheres of influence that each one of us are in, the areas that we come in contact on a daily basis, our effectiveness, our ministry is in direct correlation to our relationship with God. You understand that? Your life, our life, is a lot like a tree. We are, I mean, you see it through the Bible, you know, we're trees planted on the, on the, by the riverside. Your life is a lot like a tree, and people are drawn to the fruit that is on that tree or the beauty that's of that tree. And we bear fruit because of the relationship that we have with the Father. Whatever you're in relationship with is the fruit that you bear. Whatever you're in relationship with is the fruit that you will bear. If you're constantly setting your mind on the negative, on what people are, do, are not doing for you, on how life has dealt you a bad deal, on darkness, on the kingdom of the enemy, it is impossible for that fruit not to grow and manifest in your life. You have relationship with it. And you can be a Christian and still have fellowship with the wrong type of thinking, with the wrong kingdom, with the wrong motives. I mean, have you ever met a believer that is always negative all the time? Every, whenever you run into them, they're negative. Everything is going bad in their life. They can't find one good thing to say, nothing positive. And what is your response to those type of people? The same as if you would eat from a tree whose fruit is always bitter. You would steer clear from that tree. That's just human nature. And, and you might try to fertilize, you might try to, to prune, you might try to make that tree better. But there's an avoidance that happens. People steer clear from that that type of tree. If your fruit is always bitter, and I'm not saying that you, there aren't days that you choose to have a bad day. Do you get that? That you choose to have a bad day? Even the days, you know, once in a while you have a bad day, you still cho chose that day. See, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And too many of us are choosing a bad day instead of the day that the Lord has made. We are supposed to rejoice in all circumstances. Again, I say what? Rejoice. Your bad day, you choose to have a bad day. But, but, but I'm not talking about some of us. I mean, even, even I have a bad day once in a while. I choose to have a bad day. I choose to be grumpy. I choose to be irritated. I choose to be unloving. I choose to be unforgiving. I choose to be self-centered. But there are some that are constantly, constantly negative. Constantly. Constantly bitter. Constantly self-centered. 
And it is a direct parallel to your relationship with God or lack thereof. We having fun this morning? Jesus' ministry was an outflow of his relationship. And people were drawn to him. And we are no different. Have you ever thought, man, it just seems like people don't like me? Have you ever thought that? Or I just don't, I don't know, understand. And, and the, the, what we usually do is we start looking at external reasons. And we start looking at there's something wrong with them. And we fail to look at there might be something wrong with me. We might be saying, man, my fruit is bitter. And some of us just like to have bitter fruit. We don't want to be, we don't want to be troubled with people. So we put on, we, we try to make our tree look like thorns and thistles so no one approaches us. But inside you're just a love, uh, the love of God is still dwelling. So anyways, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' ministry was an outflow of his relationship with the Father. And our life, our ministry, our fruit is no different than Jesus. It's an outflow of our relationship with God. In John, John 3, 16, there, there is so much wisdom in, in, or so much depth to this simple refrigerator scripture that people flash at the football games and stuff like that. But in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love, God's love was so motivated, it was so driven, it was so moved, it was so activated, so enthusiastic for the world that he gave. Jesus is the expression of God's love. Jesus is the expression of God loves. And there's two things that you need to know about love found in the scripture. First of all, the greatest action of love is what? The greatest action of love is giving. The greatest action of love is giving. You know, that's why you guys got married, right? People that chose to get married, get married you came down that aisle. That you stand, I know what I, I was standing there looking. The bride was coming down and... All I was thinking about is, man, I'm going to lay my life down for her. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that her life is the best it's going to be. I, I, I am going to become nothing so that she can be exalted. No, she's coming down the aisle. I'm thinking, hubba, hubba, my life is going to be good. Right? My love wasn't based on giving. My life, my love was based on receiving. So the greatest expression of love, the greatest expression of love, the greatest action of love is giving. And the greatest attitude of love is forgiving. The greatest action of love is giving and the greatest attitude 
is one of forgiving. God so loved that he gave and he gave so that he might forgive. This is God's heart and this is Jesus' heart. This should be our heart. This is God's motive. This is the Father's motive. And this is Jesus' motive. And this should be our motive also. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, verse 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How do you know that people are born of God? How, do you, how does this say we can know that you're born of God? By the way that they love. In the way that, you, that, that uh, is it in the way that people show love towards you? No, it's in the way that you give love. Some are always wanting people to show affection towards them, and they think, well, if my family loved me more, then I would be a better person. If my church loved me more, then I would feel, wouldn't feel so miserable. If my boss loved me, he'd give me a raise. See, that's the flesh. And the flesh wants a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a what? Action. Love gives. Love is the complete opposite of what the flesh tells us that we need. It's not the love that we receive from others that empowers us with life. But as we choose to show love to them, life flows to us. And where does this love come from? This ability to manifest love. It comes from God. It's in direct correlation to your relationship with God. Love is from God, and it goes back to your relationship with God. Jesus was able to love much because he was not giving from an empty container. He wasn't giving from the empty container of his flesh. But he was giving from the Spirit, from the, from the love of the Father, the rivers of living water that were rising up within him and pouring out by the Spirit of God. If we never see the love of God coming from you, what must we conclude? According to the scripture, if we never see the love of God coming from you, if we never see that giving, that forgiving coming from you, we can conclude that you don't know God. And I'm not saying you're not born again. You just don't know him. You're not intimate with him. You haven't let him invade the hidden places of the heart. So God, who is loved, loved the world and was motivated to give for the purpose to forgive. So he gave Jesus, who is 
in, in relationship with the Father and was the manifestation of that pursuing love and forgiveness. So what does that love look like? What does love look like? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So this is the expression of the Father's love. Jesus is saying, this is my ministry. This is why I was sent. This is my motive. This is what happens when the love of the Father is flowing through me. This is the expression of the Father's love. I'm here to help people. I'm here to bless. I'm here to heal. I'm here to lift people up. I'm here to set the captives free. Jesus' motivation is compassion. Jesus' motivation is compassion. Jesus is saying that God was so motivated by his love for the world that he gave me. Not me, Jesus. But, can you say that? Can you say that God was so motivated for my coworkers that he sent me? God was so motivated to, to love on my family that he has sent me. God has so loved this church that he has sent me. God has so loved the community that he has sent me. For God has so loved the world. In Romans 5, 5, it says that the love of God has been poured out, of, within, poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we are all equipped to minister like Jesus. The, the, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we are without excuse. We have been equipped to love just like Jesus. We have been equipped to have the motives of Jesus. But Jesus was mo motivated by compassion. And what is compassion? In the Greek, the word compassion means to have the bowels yearn. I don't know what that means. But it means from your innermost being, I guess, to have this, ah. Uh, Something needs to be done. Deep awareness to suffering coupled with the wish to relieve it. Coupled with the wish to relieve it. In Matthew 9, verse 36, it says, Jesus seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dis dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved by compassion for the lost. Compassion reaches out. Compassion, it reaches out to the lost. Too many people confuse their sympathy with compassion. We live in a world that's filled with sympathy, but needs compassion. See, sympathy feels bad for a situation. And then moves on. Sympathy 
says things like, somebody really needs to do something about that. Why doesn't the church do something about it? Why doesn't the government take care of this need? Sympathy talks, but it doesn't have the action to give. Compassion reaches out. Compassion moves the individual that sees the need to take action. To take action. There are times in my life that I look back on it now and I say it was all because of the compassion of God. When me and Amanda first got married, we were about a year and a half to two years into our honeymoon stage of marriage. We did what every young couple would do. We moved a 50-year-old depressed man into our home that was homeless. And he was of, of another race even. And looking back on that, I say, what were we thinking? And the only thing I can say is that it was the compassion of God. It was the compassion of God. And compassion moved us to, to, to be friends with him, to love him, to encourage him, to help him to get a job, help him to get an apartment. Compassion moves. Sympathy says, man, I hope he finds something. I hope that something happens. I hope someone reaches out to him. I hope he finds But looking back on that, especially when I'm thinking with my fleshly, carnal mind, I'm thinking, what in the world were we thinking? But looking, also looking back on it, I don't see any hindrance that we had in our relationship. We still enjoyed life. Chloe came along, so we were still having fun. It... it But the flesh says that's an inconvenience. That's not gonna, that's gonna be a hindrance to my life. There are things that the Lord has put on my heart for me, for us to maybe do personally, and it was shocked me as the Lord was saying the same thing to Amanda, but my flesh doesn't want to do it. Now that's on a personal side. But starting this church, you know, starting this church was never in my mind. It was never my desire to a small community. I never visioned that this is where I would start a ministry. But I was sitting on my porch in relationship with God, talking with God. And he speaks to me, and he says, why not here? Why not now? And compassion birthed this church. Compassion birthed this church. We have ministries. Carol Bigger started Helping Hands Ministry, a clothing ministry within, within, within Caris here. Um, that, that, that happened from compassion. 
Carol doesn't get nothing out of it. Randy and Kim has come alongside her and are valuable, supported. They, they got compassion. They seen that there was kids going, it's school starting, and they didn't have clothing, coats, all that, shoes, all that thing, all those things, new underwear, socks. And they were moved by compassion to do something. Joyce taking over the Karis kids downstairs. Do you know that uh, the reason why the Lord pointed her out, it was like he shined a light on her, was because I could see her compassion for kids. Not because of the, it wasn't wisdom. She, I, I, it wasn't because she had this, came to me and had this great game plan for, for children's ministry. But the compassion that she had for kids, just talking, just her talking openly in conversation was like a spotlight on her by the Lord. It was her compassion. Someone's texting me. I don't got time. Compassion is to have the bowels yearn with deep awareness of suffering coupled with the wish to reveal, relieve, relieve it, reveal it, relieve it. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Compassion for the sick. Compassion is motivated to heal. Compassion does not just feel bad for a person. It's when you move past, when you move, when you moved past what people think about you to the point that you care more about the person that needs the, has the need, to needs to be healed. The truth of the matter is, if we were in relationship with God, every single one of us would be praying for the sick. Because we'd be moved with the Father's heart. We'd be moved by compassion. But we don't. And the reason why we don't is because we're worried about ourselves. We're worried about what happens if it doesn't work. What about this? What about that? I can guarantee you, if you never want to see a person healed, never pray for them. You see, we need to be moved. We need to be moved with compassion. In Matthew 15, 32, it says, And Jesus called his disciples to him, and he said, I feel compassion for the people, because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint in the way. Compassion gives. Compassion is concerned about the need and gives. Compassion will move you to the point that if you don't have what is needed to meet the need, you will believe God for a miracle to meet it. That's what the disciples said. What are we going to do? We can't do nothing. But Jesus had compassion. He was moved to meet the need. He was moved. And he believed God for a miracle. 
the boy, young boy, he said, well, I got a lunch here. He was moved. He was willing to give. And Jesus blessed it, and the multitude were fed. We need to have the compassion of Jesus for someone else. A lot of time, we get our miracle when we stop being inward-minded and start getting outward-minded. When we stop being self-centered and being love-centered. Stop looking at our needs and are moved by compassion to meet someone else's need. You think about that? Jesus was moved by compassion. They didn't have a need. They didn't have what was needed to meet the need. They, Jesus believed God for a miracle, and the disciples picked up all the baskets remaining. So, guess what the disciples now had? They had the means. They didn't have anything. Think about this. They didn't have anything. Jesus believed to meet the needs of others. The disciples and Jesus of Jesus' ministry picked up the baskets remaining, and now they had. Could that be the same way in our life? We're constantly looking at what we need rather than looking at what others need. And maybe if we believe God for, to meet the needs of others through us, maybe that's where our own need is going to be met. In Matthew 18, verse 27, And the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Remember this? This was a parable that Jesus talked about. He talked about this guy that had this extreme debt. Let's say it was $10 million. It It was a debt that you could not ever pay back. And he begged for forgiveness of that debt. And he and the Lord was moved by compassion and forgave him that debt. Compassion on the helpless. Compassion forgives. The greatest action of love is giving. The greatest attitude of love is for giving. Can you continually forgive those who do you wrong? Are you able to continually forgive? Do you know where that ability to continually forgive those who have done you wrong? From that relationship. From that relationship. That's the compassion of Jesus. Jesus does not offer one more chance. You know that? God isn't going to give you one more chance. God isn't the God of one more chance. God isn't the God of just a second chance. God is the God of another chance. God is a God of another chance. When you say, well, God will give you one more chance, that means that, okay, after that, he's going to write you off. But no, God is the God that forgives. His mercies are renewed every morning. They're ongoing. God is a God of another, another chance. And we need to be someone that is continually forgiving. He is a God that's continually forgiving. We need to be continually forgiving. Now, just because you're continually forgiving doesn't mean you put yourself in a situation to constantly be used and abused. But you can still walk in love. You can still believe the best for someone. You can pray for them, and you can let them know that there's, you hold nothing against them. Jesus doesn't carry grudges, thank God. 
He doesn't carry issues with other people. He forgives and he moves on. In Matthew 20, verse 34, it says, Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Think about this. All these scriptures that we're reading, Jesus is moved by compassion. He's moved by God. His motivation was love. And this is the heart of the Father. Compassion restores. Compassion will be moved to help restore what is missing in another's life. In Matthew 20, verse 34, move the... Oh, that's the same one. There we go. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, it says, How be it Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them the great things the Lord has done for thee, and have, have, have had compassion on thee. This was the man that was delivered from demons. He was legion. Remember the pigs ran off into the... Uh, See and drown themselves. See, pigs are smarter than humans. If you get a demon, might as well just jump off a cliff and drown yourself. No. Either that or run to Jesus. They weren't going to live with no demons. The man delivered of demons. Compassion sets the captives free. Compassion sets the captives free. The man that was set free was to go tell what Jesus had done for him, right? The man that was set free, Jesus says, go and tell the wonderful things, the great things that the Lord has done for you. Go tell everybody the great and wonderful things that I have done for you. Is there someone out there giving a testimony with your name in it? Is there somebody out there giving the testimony with your name in it? That I was this, but God brought me this person. And now I'm this. Have you been moved by compassion? Has the compassion of God been revealed to another individual through you that they go and tell the mighty things that the Lord has done for them? And their testimony has your name in it. Is someone proclaiming how Jesus used you to set them free? Are you being the answer to someone else's problem? That was Jesus' motive. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, I got to speed up. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Do you know that compassion teaches? Compassion teaches? I mean, I already talked about how the compassion of God came on me to start Karis New Testament Church in, in this community. Why? For the main purpose that it, we, I could teach. What God has given me, what God has shown, shown me, the grace, the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ to deliver the captives from dead works and religion, to be set free in the spirit of God, to have the life of God in their be body, in their being, to be awakened from their slumber and to know the glorious redemption that Jesus Christ has brought. So you might not associate what I'm doing this morning with compassion. Compassion. 
But what does teaching do? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Anyone that teaches by the Spirit of God does it by the love of God, and they're moved by compassion to have people set free. In Mark chapter 9, verse 22, we see again Jesus, and oftentimes he had cast him into the fire. This was the man that brought his child to, to the disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And, and he's, he's talking to Jesus. And oftentimes he cast, his, cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Compassion helps those that are desperate. Compassion responds to the needs of the desperate. This man does not, this does not mean that you help everyone that has a need. It's impossible for you to be the answer to everyone that has a need. That is why it's key to be in relationship with the Father to do what you see the Father doing. See, a lot of you can hear this message and feel guilt and condemnation and think, oh, i got to go out and help every single person that I come across. No, that's religion. But you can help one. You can walk in sync with the Spirit and see what the Father's doing and help one. You know, there's some people that aren't ready to be helped yet. There's some people that will reject. That's why it's key. And some of you are thinking, well, I tried to help somebody, and it, it went over terrible, Chad. I got a terrible testimony of the whole thing. But did God tell you to do it? We don't do this just out of a religious duty. We do this being moved by the very Spirit of God, the wisdom of God, and being moved by His compassion. It's not our love that moves us. It's God's love that needs to move us. Each of us should have times in our lives when we have been moved to do something for someone in someone's life who were in a desperate situation. That's the love of the Father. Compassion is more than giving someone a fish. Compassion is teaching them how to fish. They've seen this over and over again in third world countries. And Billy Uphart talks about it. How the church going and just giving food, giving food, giving food has created an entitlement type mindset in the people. And they're not, and those communities are not getting any better. They're going in there with micro loans now. And setting, helping them, teaching them wisdom on business and farming and irrigation. Do you know, do you know that um, movie stars and the church and a whole bunch of people gave millions of dollars to drill wells, give, put wells in third world countries in Africa? Do you know that a lot of those wells aren't even working today? You want to know why? Because they came in and drilled them and never taught anybody how to maintain them. They know, and then people are getting sick because the animals are coming up and drinking from it. There was disease and bacteria in it. They, no one was teaching them anything. Compassion has wisdom behind it. You give a man a fish, yes, so he can eat that day, but you need to teach him to fish. Want to know why? 
So the government can make you buy fishing licenses. But, but, you know what I'm saying. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, it says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Weep not. Compassion raises the dead. Jesus was moved by compassion, and he raised the dead. This mother was weeping. How many times we see this? The young damsel, the boy in the funeral possession, Lazarus. Jesus was motivated by compassion, and he raised the dead. Jesus was motivated by God, and we can be motivated by God's compassion, and we can see the dead raised also. How? To the compassion of God. But again, relationship is the key. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, but the Samaritan, you know this story, the good Samaritan, the, but the Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion on him. Compassion on strangers. Compassion gives. Compassion causes you to give not, and not expect others to give. Compassion moves you to do something about the situation. It doesn't Compassion is not sympathy that says, man, that's too bad. I expect somebody needs to do something. We live in a day where everybody is outraged about what others are not doing for others. Outrage is not compassion. Compassion moves you to give. Compassion moves you to do. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, so he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Compassion is compassionate towards the repentant. Compassion forgives and for compassion, compassion restores. The father was waiting with expectant, expectancy. How long was his son gone for? How long was he gone? But he was continually looking across the horizon, and he said he's seen his son from afar off, and he ran to him, embraced him, and, and really, literally in the Greek, it means he could not stop kissing him. And you know that this is not, not the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the good father. Jesus, this, Jesus says this is who God looks like. The father was waiting with expectancy. Compassion runs. Compassion embraces the repentant. See, church, compassion is not an emotion. Compassion is an empowerment. 
given to us by God to change the situation. It is, mo- it is the motivation for the Christian life. It was the motivation of Jesus. Jesus' motivation was, he was motivated by compassion. He was motivated by love. And it is to be our motivation too. It needs to be the motivation of Karis New Testament Church. May we be a church filled with compassion. The compassion of God, the love of God, will move us to action, to do. I close with this. When was the last time you were moved by compassion? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we are not called to do this in our own strength. But we have been empowered by the Spirit of God. And the compassion, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. And we thank you that as we renew our mind by getting into relationship with you, by having communion with you through the Holy Spirit, as we walk and talk with you, that compassion will start manifesting in our life. That fruit will start growing. That people will be drawn to us by the God in us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you want to love the world through us, that you want people's testimonies about Jesus with our name in it, that you want to use us to be the answer for somebody else's problem. There's so many people that are bored in life, and that can be quickly remedied by being moved by compassion. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that as those here this morning that are working on building that relationship with the Father, are working on walking in the Spirit, the fellowship with God through the Spirit, that you would start moving in their life and that they would be moved by compassion and they would see the hand of God moved in indiv- working in an individual's life, doing things that only you can do. What could be more exciting than that? And Father, I just pray that I'd be a leader that is moved by compassion, not programs, not statistics, but by the love of God, that we would be a church that was moved by compassion and that the world might know us by our love. We praise you, we worship you, and we ask you to move us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.